Monday morning quarterback, Monday morning board review. Um, we're going to get into some stuff today. It's your host, Bryce Wright, with my co-host. Key Harris, Coach Rick. All right, man. We ready to just going to jump in it, man. Um, first, we got to address the, the biggest, you know, the biggest elephant in the room to me. Uh, the game yesterday between the Bucks and the Packers. Um, the Bucks came in as underdogs, of course. You playing Green Bay on the road. Uh, they were fans allowed in the stadium. So, you know, that you're going into a big situation, a big environment. And, you know, fans in, in stadiums is big for football. But down to the game, Aaron Rodgers, you know, just a recap of the game. The Packers lost, of course, uh, as you should know. Um, if you don't, the Packers lost. The difference in the game, just Tampa Bay overwhelmed Green Bay's front. Just didn't allow... Aaron Rodgers to settle in the way that he wanted to settle in. So, you know, that he had to deal with that. Uh, it wasn't a great game by Tom Brady by any means. It was a good game. It was the type of game that Eli Manning was kind of known for during his run. Um, just not losing the game. Um, even though Tom Brady did do his best, you know, his best uh, try to, you know, lose the game, you know. But, you know, he's Brady. He's the greatest winning quarterback of all time, and we will address that later um, in terms of the greatness factor. But they won 31-26. Tom Brady had three touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, Aaron Rodgers counted with three touchdowns, one interception. Aaron Rodgers, um, 340 yards passing. Tom Brady, 280 yards passing. Um, I believe Aaron Rodgers won the quarterback matchup. I believe the Bucks won the rushing matchup. Uh, defensively, I just believe that Tampa Bay was just all over the Packers. They were not they were not being blocked. You know? The Bucs tremendous blitzes, but when you got five sacks coming from your ends in the middle of that line and just holding up very well, it's just not too much you can do. Um, what you got to say about that? No, I agree. That was the thing that stood out the most to me. Just, you know, the way they were getting pressure and they weren't blitzing really you know and with all of the above average quarterbacks you know not even to mention the great with above average ones you got to get in their face you got to put them on the ground because if you just let them sit back there and dissect you that's what they're going to do especially with you know the way the rules are you know nowadays and stuff like that but Tampa Bay did what they had to do which was get in Aaron's face they got in his face and they put him on the ground they sacked him you know so I just thought and I, I went with Green Bay, right? So, but I said if, if Green Bay was going to lose, that's what had to happen. That's what happened. So it is what it is. I mean, um, it's a good game, you know. By no yeah. means this a uh, a blowout. With no means by this a demonstrative show of who's the best quarterback in the NFC. Because I mean, if you look at the way Aaron Rodgers played, I mean, he, he played well. I mean, he played well. He didn't play. Uh, bad. So uh, it was a good game. Um, and, and like I said, we're going to address that later. Um, not even later. You know, we can address that because we kind of knew the the Bills and the Chiefs. As much as a lot of guys, you know, were like were happy about the Buffalo Bills being in a NFC in the AFC Championship game, and it hadn't been since uh, ninety. What was it? Ninety six, ninety five. Um, the the ninety four. Ninety four. So you know, we talked about you know nineteen ninety four. 
I'm 11 years old watching Thurman Thomas and, <laughs> and, and Andre Kelly Reed. And Reed and James so, Lawson. You know, I'm watching Cornelius Bennett and all those guys just go crazy over there. Um, but um, the Bills lost. Chiefs just so talented in terms of play calling. Um, and Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. Um, not not just they do a great job with the personnel. They do a great job with personnel. Uh, they put put you in a position to be successful. Um, get Tyreek Hill on the move sideways, and then got him going vertical. So you got corners backing up, moving sideways. You got him doing back. You got him running backwards when Tyreek Hill is coming at you full speed. It's just that's just a mismatch. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not the situation <laughs> you want to be in. It's almost like playing pick and roll with Chris Paul. Any decision you make is a bad decision. Yeah. And you kind of leave yourself up to, you know, the wheels of however he wants to play the end. And Patrick Mahomes doing a great job, you know. Um, top five quarterback in the league for the last two years, three years, if you want to say. Uh, he is talented. Throws good deep ball, throws good short balls, makes plays, makes stuff happen. He's a playmaker with the football, playmaker with his feet. He's hard to get off his – even when you get him off his spot, it's hard to – have Patrick Mahomes have a bad game. The best you can bet is that you have a front four that can relentlessly get after the quarterback, which if we go back in time, we can just see the teams that do the best job when you have to stop a high-power offense, that front four. It's like the Giants did to the Patriots when the Patriots went on that scoring barrage in the early 2000s. 07. So, you know, when you got a front four that can get after them, it slows them down. Even with the 49ers. You know, that front four they had was really getting after the Chiefs last year. They just couldn't put it together. But back to the point, Chiefs, Bucks, Super Bowl. My first inclination, my first pick is to say the Chiefs. I know it was close earlier this year. They played. But I think two weeks, you got Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy in that offense. I just think they'll just be too much. And I don't think the Chiefs' offensive line gets enough credit for how good they are. Uh, but they're a very good offensive line. They do a good job blocking, a good job of setting their guy up in spots that, you know, is good for him. So, you know, that's the Chiefs. Um, the Bucks, on the other hand, they are good. But will they be able to keep up with the Chiefs? They do have the pieces. You do have some talent over there that I don't think people really look at. You got um, Mike Evans. Guys had a thousand receiving yards every year he's been in the league. You know, uh, last person I can think of that was doing that first seven years in his league, I want to say it was AJ Green. You know, that's a lot. You know, you know um, that's 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 greatness territory. And he did that with Jameis Winston. So you just can't say, well, it's Tom Brady. No, Mike Evans is a good receiver. Um, Chris Godwin. Hey, 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 hey! Don't you, don't you bypass the contribution that Fitz Magic had? Now, don't you just talk well, about the name? Is, <laughs> don't you, don't you, I'm not gonna don't do, do that Fitz Magic. Now, I don't know what you're trying to do. You right, you right, you right. He's he's very good, very smart quarterback. Heady quarterback is gonna make good throws, put the ball where it needs to be. Um, so you know he did contribute to the Mike Evans. Um, you got Scotty Miller, who's a fast guy, you know, get him out of space. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say he's like a Tyree Hillix player. And, you know, they always try to put these guys into peg holes. You know, they, they try to put them in a little a round hole, a peg, a triangle hole, a, a square. You know, you just in there like, listen, this guy's just good. Just give it. Well, just well that, that's, the, that's the easiest way to 
um, I don't want to call it lazy because because then it, it comes off like, you know, um, I'm talking ill about someone's opinion, but that's just the easy way, easiest way for most people to um, help people to visualize, you know, how good someone is or who, who they similarly play like. The reality of it is, you know, the greats are like snowflakes. There ain't no exact comp to them. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah that, that's just not fair to that guy. Um, but he's a good player. Um, Godwin's a good receiver. Um, Gronk was out there doing his thing, you know, and Antonio Brown didn't even play. So, I don't know now. I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you, Coach. You know, the one thing that I can say is the people keep talking about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Tampa Bay Bucks are a good team. Jameis Winston did throw 30, 30 touchdowns last year. Yes, he threw 30 picks, but he still he had threw 30 touchdowns still. But he had 30 touchdowns. Um, they ran the ball a lot better this year to me than they did last year. But I'm just going to stay on this year right here. I'm not going to get to the Jameis Winston in that discussion because that's for another day. But the Bucks do have players. Right. We, and you know, I, I think a lot of people look at this and they're like, well, who are the Bucks like? I'm gonna tell you something. They can be good for the next two to three years. Oh yeah. Um, if if Leonard Fournette gets into a good situation where his body is where it's supposed to be, you're talking about a guy who is a 225 pound, just hit the hole, hit it hard, is going to strike you, run the ball. Um, you throw the ball, he, he's caught some big passes this year. You know, he had five catches yesterday, and that's one of the things that people, you know, one of the traits that everybody's always talking about: can he catch the football? He threw it to him seven times. He caught it five times. That's being reliable to me. That's reliability right there. Godwin had nine targets. He caught the ball five times. That's reliable. Evans had eight targets, only caught it three. Now, two of them he should have caught, I believe. You know, watching the game, uh, one of those interceptions, I believe, was on him. Another pass I thought he should have caught was the uh, when King, they was running the little seam route. Not a seam route. He was running the goal route. And he had King beat. Uh, the announcers are like, King got up and did all the, you know, the DBs do the, you know, it's like somebody missing the three or just, you know, just <laughs> like had nothing to do with the play. Yeah, nothing to do with the guy. I'm celebrating it. Celebrating. Mike Evans just dropped the football. So um, that that was one point. Uh, the Bucks, they are very talented. You got Antonio Brown, like you said, he didn't play. He has two weeks to get his body right. Right. Um, if you don't think that he's going to show up and get his body right for this Super Bowl and he's going to have something to say, like he's not the game. I'm not saying what he's not because I don't know what he is right now. I do know that if he gets the opportunity to show who he is, we will see a guy that is still an effective pass catcher and chain mover. And in football, if you're catching the football or running the football, if you keep the chains moving and keep the defense, keep your defense off the field and keep the opponent on the field, then you got a problem. Yeah. It's almost it's almost like when, you know, me and you talk basketball. You keep a team shooting threes when that's not their game, and and, and shooting threes is your game. I I, I want to say I do you remember when you said to me? We were talking, and I was like, why is everybody trying to emulate the Warriors? You know, the Warriors perfected the game, the way that their team was built. And now people are trying to counterpunch it with exactly what the Warriors are doing. 
And you're like, well, you know, imitation, as they say, you know, the cliche, you were like, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And, you know, nobody can really emulate it. And you just can't emulate what the Chiefs do. You know, they're new. They're the, the Colts went on this run. If we think about time, early 2000s, the Rams were the standard in terms of offensive just firepower. You know, Torrey Holt, Ozzie Bruce, Marshall Falk. Um, <clears throat> then they had a slot guy, Isaac King, Ricky Pro. Those, you know, those those guys could play. Those are some players. Um, then you go to Peyton Manning and then the Colts. Just offensive, just teams that would just offensively take you out of the game. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings had it for a couple of years. Then you go to the Patriots. When Randy Moss gets there, and you're like, man, they're unstoppable. And now the Chiefs are approaching that that uh, stratosphere where you're like, man, they're putting it together. But if you think about the Super Bowls, the Rams won one. The Patriots, as a high-power offense, only won one. Didn't win one. Not only won one, didn't win one. Lost yeah. in the Super Bowl. You know, the Vikings didn't win one. The Saints, were they an offensive firepower when they played the Colts in the Super Bowl? I don't know, but they won one. The Colts only won one. So when you think about all these teams that have this offensive firepower and this just nuclear bomb and just atomic dropper, you know, whatever you want to call it, they they only won one. The Chiefs have an opportunity to buck that trend and win another one and then win another one because the Chiefs are actually one that has a quarterback who's actually only been in the league four years. So that's a good situation for them. Um, but, you know, as I, think, I say, probably, I think, Coach, I think uh, what it came down to with those teams you spoke about um, is, you know, obviously they had firepower offensively, but they didn't focus enough defensively on at least just making it difficult. Just think we'll just overwhelm you with our offense. Um, the Chiefs have stuff, you know, obviously, but the reason I think I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay is. I heard Bruce Aaron say something that was kind of profound to me earlier this week. He talked about and New England didn't allow for Tom to coach any, right? And, you know, sometimes I just let him coach and I just kind of get out of the way. I just sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. You know, in coaching, man, we've all, well, in coaching, sometimes we run into those great players that um, they can impact the game not only on the court, but just helping their teammates, you know, understand, you know, how to prepare and, the reason why certain particular things are important and you know everything like that. I'd like to see how Tom Brady takes some of the things that he learned in New England from Bill Belichick, who has over the last 20 years proven to be the best at taking away what you're best at, right? And mm-hmm. um, valuing that and you know kind of functioning in that way. Because I do believe um, the story that hasn't been told is that maybe Tom Brady had some input on how we should approach Aaron this week. Um, because again, you know, they, they, they beat him up pretty bad um, early in the season. Then the same thing with Drew. You know, I think as Tom got more comfortable, he probably had more of an opinion and more impact on the game plan and things of that nature. I'm anxious to see how he approaches Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs offense. Because again, um, guys like Tom Brady are very aware of history. They know, uh, they understand how these high-powered offenses. Sometimes that's all that the team has to 
that's the only punch they got. That's the only pitch that they have. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty sure Tom will be prepared. He's thinking about that stuff now. He's probably talking to the coach about that stuff now. I'm just anxious to see what happens because, again, I think Kansas City does have a good defense. I think they are good. You know, um, the Honey Badger is one of my favorite players um, over the last 10 years, probably. Um, so yeah. I want to see. I, I'm anxious to see. This is going to be a very good matchup because it's going to be contrasting styles to some degree but very similar styles too so I'm anxious to see what's going to happen well I, I definitely agree with you when you just said that's the only punch they have you're right they, and when we talk about punches you know like they have an uppercut that's what the Chiefs have like it, when they hit you like oh you know that Tyreek Hill catch and he cut back across the field and you're just like man we were in the game you know and, and then when they hit you with the uppercut you're looking for the uppercut here comes the jab And the one thing that the Bucs have developed with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, to me, is if they really dedicated to running the football, I believe that they could. I believe that they can slow it down and keep the ball out of the Chiefs' hands. So I do believe that that's what the Bucs have in their favor going toward the Super Bowl. And I know it's going to be a lot of talk about it. Um, A lot. It's going to be a lot to be said over this matchup for the next couple of weeks. And I know people are going to get tired of hearing about it, but, you know, we just have to address it. You know, I, I picked wrong in both of my games. Uh, you know, um, I did not believe that Patrick Mahomes was going to be ready. Um, Neither did I. That's why I picked Buffalo. I didn't think he was going to play. I didn't think he was going to play. I, I just thought that, you know, everybody always talking about concussion. So I, I, I bought into it. I should have just not bought into it and felt like, but you know, that's it. I'm gonna go with my conviction. I lost. I'm 0-2 in championships right now. Coaches talking ball, so I have a losing record. I got to get off of the night. Here's the thing, though, Coach. Let's make sure we mention um, and give credit to the JPP because he came to life in a way last oh. night or yesterday that I did not know he still had in the tank. He was yeah. unbelievable yesterday. And if he brings that energy and that kind of fervor and that kind of vigor to the game against Kansas City. And Dominican Sue stayed in Aaron's face too. Now, if you get that too, he didn't get a lot of sacks, but he stayed in his face, which is important versus those kind of quarterbacks. If they can get that kind of pressure with that front against Kansas City, I don't know. And you know what? And and, and we're going to get into the preview of the game. We, you know, I got to go back in the lab um, because you're just saying some stuff right now that I, I ain't want to hit on. But but they have in the front with Vita Bea and the Dominican Sue, those two big stout guys right there in the middle. And then you got Shaq Barrett and Pierre Paul on the outside. That's a formidable defensive line right there. And then you got you got two linebackers that, for one, I can't run up the middle because you got Sue and Vita Bea right here. They can play in these little four eyes and they can play in these threes outside the guard. And I got two linebackers that can run side to side as fast as any linebackers in Devin White and uh, Levante David. I mean, <laughs> that's tough to run against right there. That's speed right there. So hopefully – We'll get that together going forward. Uh, uh, not even later in the week, just probably in the next couple of days. Um, but it was something I did want to talk to you about the explosion from the Boston Celtics against um, the Cavs. You know, I know it's the Cavs, but it's the NBA. And 140 points in the game is 140 points in the game. Um, what did you think? Did you did you get the, a chance to look at that game? I did. Um, that doesn't surprise me because. You know, they always say on the NBA commercials and all that stuff, you know, it's a make or miss lead. And when teams like, you know, we forget that, you know, the Boston Celtics, that starting lineup, you know, is 
We got some 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 lottery guys on that, that starting lineup. So yeah. we tend to forget, you know, Jalen was the number three pick in the draft, I believe, in, in his class. Yeah. You know, we talk about Jason Tatum, who probably should have been the number one pick in his draft. You know, then they got Kimba, then they got they have weapons. Brad does a good job of preparation and exploiting matchups and things of that nature. So, you know, when them guys making shots, I mean for me, I'm not surprised by the output. Uh, obviously, I like to see those kind of performances more frequently from them. But again, you know, they got a first round pick and the, uh, the smart kid who probably thinks he's a little more offensively gifted than what it really is. But that's a whole nother conversation, too. But they got firepower on that roster. Man. I'm talking about like, you know, the Williams kid from uh, Texas A&M, you know, like yeah. they, they just got firepower all over that roster. And I think because you know, we get caught up in, like, the obvious, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown, but it's like, man, that team got first-round picks all over it, man, and the Danny Ainge does a good job in the draft and the other things, you know, they, they got they got weapons. Um, I think they're deep enough, you know, and I tell people all the time, you can't score 140 points with just your starting five. That's not happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's a collective effort. Like I said, Brad does a good job, and they do have talent, so when they're making shots and they're making them threes, making their free throws, 140 is a lot, but for them to be, you know, offensively spectacular, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll always expect that. I mean, I, that, I just wanted your insight a little bit on that one, you know, because it kind of, like you said, you know, Jalen Brown's number three pick, Jason Tatum, uh, and, you know, revisionist history, you know, really probably should have been one. So that 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 was really big this weekend. Uh, you know, we had my Hawks playing the Bucks this weekend. Uh, didn't do too well, uh, but Trey Young did play. I'm still waiting on Cam Reddish to just develop his consistency, which is one thing I did want to talk about today. Uh, we did want to touch on with, uh, consistency in terms of just player consistency. You know, sometimes to all the listeners, we're not going to come with just game review. Sometimes, like as coaches, we talk about consistency when it comes to greatness. One of the things Rick and I always talk about is like, people just quickly call somebody. Uh, generational or elite or dog or whatever, you know, whatever the name is that they put in tag to somebody who's consistently achieving a level of play in their sport that others are in amazement or awe of. I think that's what the consist that's what all starts and the consistency of Tom Brady is the thing, you know, how he's just so consistent in his ability to make a throw here, a throw there. Uh, that last drive had nothing to do with Tom Brady. Uh, let me, let me, let me not say nothing to do with Tom Brady. The last drive was play call when the Packers went for the field goal, which we are gonna, you know, just consistency. I gotta stay with consistency. That's what, that's what it is. How important is consistency? In the growth of a player and confidence building, uh, it is important, right? But the consistency of his performance mm-hmm. should not be the end all be all in the evaluation of his development. Because mm-hmm. again, when you're developing a young player, you have to expect inconsistency because again, he's not accustomed to it, right? Um, the Cam Reddish thing, and even DeAndre Hunter, who 
which people probably don't pay attention to because they probably don't live in Atlanta, not really Hawks fans, or it might just be casual watchers, right? DeAndre Hunt is playing out of his mind right now. Out of his mind. Um, Thank you. Out of his mind. To get back to uh, development of younger players, though, as a coach, what you want to do is give them opportunities to be successful, to build their confidence, things of that nature. While at the same time, when you want them to grow in a particular aspect of their game, you have to provide opportunities. But as a coach, you got to be willing to deal with the result, whether good or bad, right? But while yeah. you're going through that process, you also want to be able to encourage the younger player that the result isn't what's important. Uh, the decision-making is as relates to good shot, bad shot, or when to be aggressive or when to move the ball, things of that nature. So like with Cam, you know, it's a couple things that we don't know. We don't know exactly what they're asking of him every night. What we know is what we think he should be doing. But again, we can't judge it based on that. We don't have the kind of insight to know what they're asking him to do. What we do know is he's a super talented kid. So he's going to have moments of success just because he's so talented my biggest thing is i'd like to, to ask the question to someone on the staff or you know someone who's around the, the program or the team what are they asking the kid every night so I, I then can adjust what i'm expecting from him every night because it looks like to me it's just me it looks like you know obviously trey has his responsibilities and big john has his responsibilities and now they may be focusing more on deandre and his offensive development as opposed to cam I'm not sure that's just how it looks because um, I think last year was the other way. It was more about Cam and not about DeAndre, but I'm not sure. So I got to see it. But as relates to just consistency and your, your, your initial point, um, the consistency is going to lie in what opportunities they're providing for the kids who just have small bouts of success, you know, as often as possible. And then what are we trying to extend him to do? And while we're extending him or trying to push him into doing more or doing other things are we really and honestly truly willing to accept whatever the result is and to keep the kid encouraged regardless of what the result is you know what I mean like that that's yeah. what it comes down to okay all right I, and, and, and like I say man in um, any of our listeners the the consistency um, is just so important uh, from a culture standpoint touching on how how consistent the coaches staff in regards to allowing him to, you know, putting him in a situation where he can't have, like you said, no small bounce of success. And, you know, so, and now, coach, you know, I'm a, coach, 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 let, coach let, me, let me say one other thing, too, just so we're clear. Now, they very well could feel like they put him in enough situations that he's just not able to cut the mustard, as they say, when I was coming up, right? That could yeah. be it, too. I'm not saying that's not it, but I'm just saying we got to we got to get somebody to confirm, you know, what the expectation is or what the the the, the game plan is for his um, improvement or his development. You know that, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on Cam Reddish in the Hawks. Uh, well, let me not say I don't want to because I do. <laughs> right. I mean, I remember looking at this video. I when you called me, we talked, and he was like, "Hey, that kid Cam Reddish." And so I went and checked him out. You know, of course, I looked at the highlights, then I saw him play. And then I saw guys talking about Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson. No, guys who were in the league and they were like, who was the best kid you went against? And they're talking about shoot, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Tyrese Maxey, yeah. Cam Reddish, um, foreign guys, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish. 
and you just you continue to hear his name, Romeo Langford, Cam Reddish. You keep hearing these guys say Cam Reddish. You're like, what? So I think in myself, I just got excited about his ability. And I know he's only 21. So I know that's big. I know it's big. You know, we're used to guys coming in the league. Um, not even used to. Because I'm not saying the kid's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, that's, you know, he's Kevin Durant. So I'm not comparing him to those guys. You know, even Brandon Ingram had to get his, his self to where he is right now. Because, you know, we were a couple years removed from what's going on with Brandon Ingram. So, you know, with Cam Reddish and, and the Hawks, it's like, oh, is Lloyd Pierce going to be the guy to take him to bridge that gap? Or is he going to be like Mark Jackson? And then if somebody else comes in, or is he going to be like the Scott Skiles and somebody else takes him to the next level? Um, you know, so it's not it's not a, a fact of... Uh, wanting Cam to be this good. I just want to know if he is as good as I feel he is. Because if he's not, then I understand. There's no knock on the kid. Look, the kid was a fabulous high school basketball player. And, you know, I believe he should have went to Kentucky because I think Kentucky would have prepared him better for the NBA. That's just me. I think Coach Cal does a great job with that. Coach A does a good job as well. But I'm not a Duke guy. Well, well, Coach, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And it's important in basketball because, for the most part, the best guys are so ball-centric, right? They got to have it. Um, Very rarely do we get the kids that just enter the league at 19, 20, 21, whatever. Um, And they're able to accept their role when it's not being the guy, right? So, like, say, for example, Cam Reddish has always been the guy. Every level he's played on, right? Yeah. Um, Duke probably was the first time he had to adjust because there was, you know, just these top three picks on the roster alongside of him. But in his mind, he might have still been thinking, I'm the best guy and I need the ball, end of the clock, end of the game. I need to carry us. I need to lead us, right? I'm not saying that's what he thought, but he very well could have. So then he gets drafted into the league and he, he, he very well could have been thinking, you know, I can be Batman and Trilby, my Robin, or vice versa. You know, I'll be the number two guy. Yeah. It's a significant adjustment for guys who've been uber successful their whole careers and they get drafted, you know, lottery picks, everything like this. And um, then they realize, you know, like, yeah, I was a first round pick and I was a lottery pick, but it's required of me to be a role player. Mm. Right? That's damaging, coach. That's how do you, how do you ask damage? It could be damaging or it could just be a situation where it requires um, a longer adjustment period. You know what I mean? Um, one of the things we forget um, is like with the Golden State Warriors, right? They became um, dynastic rather fairly quickly. But you got to think of the, the, the kind of guys that they had on that team. These weren't Cam Reddish type guys, you know, McDonald's All-American, Olympic guys, you know, this and that, you know, you know, just uh, high expectation lottery guys. A lot of those guys just flew under the radar, so they were like willing to do whatever just to win and be competitive. Clay Thompson, for example, you know, you go to Washington State, you're not a Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. You probably have confidence in yourself, but it's not that, you know. Like I've always been the guy. I'm an Olympic guy. You know, I'm Kentucky. I'm, you know, it's a different mentality with a lot of those guys. Draymond Green, you know, we weren't even sure if he was going to get drafted. He transformed his body, second round pick, 
wasn't really playing early you know that type thing so it's like those guys really focus on something different and it's not about per se their image or you know where they see themselves on the hierarchy of being a star being a guy they just want to compete they want to play um camp could be going through an adjustment phase and it's fair and it's okay because a lot of guys go through that you know um now whether or not the franchise gives up on him or whether or not he just lets his his his, his confidence get crushed and then you know he kind of gives up on himself that's a whole nother conversation but again I'd like to speak to someone on the staff or that's around the program just to find out exactly what's going on because I'm a huge Cam Reddish fan. When you say that, I I definitely agree with you on that. I definitely agree with you on that. I just wanted to to actually add into that. You know, when you say Batman and Robin, and I I, want to even push it a step further. You know, you say Batman and Robin, right? And, and now you're like a role player. So now you're like, man, that's Nightwing. You know, Nightwing is a role player. When you watch Batman, you know, you, you when you see Nightwing, you know, as a kid, he's like, ooh, Nightwing's in this episode. You know, so you're like, you know, he's just a role playing guy. But right. now you go back to it, you're like, oh, it's just Batman and Robin. And then somebody, oh, that's Batgirl. Oh, so that's another role player. You know, and, and at some point, you know, Nightwing's gonna have to take over and, and do his own thing, or he's consistently be a, a role player. But what you know, what is the coaching staff? What is that? Uh, the the um, in terms of the basketball operations department, in 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 terms of just total player development, what are they gonna do to have him be successful? Is the next question, and that's what we're gonna expect the Hawks to do. I expect them to do to get the most potential out of all the guys that we pick. I expect them to be successful, and that's just what I expect. As a coach, I expect the same thing of myself. What am I doing to allow my players to be successful? Am I putting them in a position where they only have to make free throws? Or am I putting them in a position where they always got to make the hard pass? You know, why am I putting them in that position? So that's the one thing, and I definitely, definitely agree with you. Um, guys, it was great uh, speaking with everybody today. Um, <clears throat> we just wanted to, you know, let y'all know, you know, we appreciate you. Um, remember check in we're gonna we're probably gonna drop what you yeah, gonna drop sure. I'm, 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 I'm okay with it my schedule's pretty open okay alright so I'll, I'll clean this up at the end but um That's cool. I might hit you up even later on the day um, um, but I got the, the tags on this gonna be